The Real Estate Sessions is sponsored by AdWorks. AdWorks makes digital advertising brilliantly simple. Choose your zip code and build your brand. Enter an address and promote your listings. Or upload your list and stay top of mind with your sphere of influence. And if you go to adworks.com slash billrisser, you'll do more than just build brand awareness or nurture your network. Right now, you get to save 15% off your purchase, and I get to send 10% to the Colon Cancer Alliance, an organization that means a great deal to me. That's www.adworks.com slash Bill Risser. Pay attention. Like so many times I see people that come in, and they're like, oh, I've been a realtor for a year, and I will Google them, and nothing, you know, they've never logged into their Zillow profile or their Yelp profile or their whatever. It's just pay attention to that because especially when you're new and you're going to try to get people that you know to work with you, they're going to research you. Welcome to the Real Estate Sessions and join industry leaders as they share their stories and offer tips and advice to real estate professionals. Now your host, Bill Risser of Chicago Title, Arizona. Thank you for tuning in for episode 58 of the Real Estate Sessions podcast. Uh, Quite honestly, because if you did not, there'd be no podcast. Thanks for telling a friend and subscribing and leaving a rating and a review too. I appreciate it. Uh, join me today. This is, I'm so excited. I'm welcoming uh, none other than Phil Sexton. We'll call him Chief Marketing Dude for the CBOC team in Scottsdale, Arizona to the podcast. I've known Phil, geez, probably nearly 10 years now, and it, it feels like I've watched him grow up in the business. Uh, says, says <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Phil. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Bill. This is going to be fun. I, I'm really looking forward to this because I knew that uh, when I finally got you on here that um, you won't hold back. We'll have a good time and, and anything goes. So here we go. First off, I got to say congratulations. Uh, you're still officially on paternity leave. And I know that uh, you and your wife, Laura, just added your second son to the sexting clan. That would be David, right? So how are things going at home? Correct. Yes. Uh, you know, the newborn tunnel, as as we call it around here, okay. where you really you really start to learn what sleep deprivation means. And how little or, you know, what that optimum number of hours of uninterrupted sleep should be. And, well, we haven't, haven't found it yet, but um, it's good. It's good, you know, newborn. We have uh, our first child, Oscar. He is four. And so he started a new school, a new preschool, a couple days after David was born. So he's in a big transition phase as well. But it's all good. I, I hear I only have one son. But I've heard that adding a second is uh, can be a bit of a challenge. It's, is it you're finding that to be the case? You know, I my mother-in-law is in town right now. She's helping out. It's good and it's bad, right? Like she's able to get up and get Oscar to school. So number one is she's helping out with number one so much that we get to tag team number two. And um, I may end up just calling them that. Like, <laughs> I think I'll probably drop their names just for simplicity purposes. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's actually, it's not too bad. Because actually, and I, the way that my wife says it is she was so nervous with number one that was everything was that he was doing normal. Should she be worried about it? Should she not be worried about it? And whereas number two, she's now way more relaxed, so she can enjoy the cuddle time more, and she's really enjoying the the infant. Wow, so. sounds sounds like you're already working on number three then, if it's going that smooth. So that's great. You know, that's so funny you say that because she looked at me the other day and said, "I want another one," and I said, "Whoa, what? whoa, 
Wow. <laughs> yeah. I didn't mean to start something. What would we, yeah, no, I said, well, what are we going to name our third boy? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. All right. So, yeah, yeah. All right, so I'm um, glad that everyone's doing well there. That's awesome. Thinking, talking about being born, when you were born, your dad was in the business, right? I've interviewed your dad here on this podcast. And so I want to know, was it in your DNA? Do you think you were always going to be in the business? Or was there a time when you were absolutely positive you're going to go do something else you were not going to follow in your dad's footsteps? How do I how do I say this? I think dad got into the business in 1980, which was the year I was born. So, yes, he was there. But it was um, – I had a stepdad come into my life before I was one. Okay. And so I didn't really – consider myself growing up in the business, if you will. Okay. And so it didn't even, it wasn't even a thought in my mind that that would be a path that I would follow because my stepdad was in the production business. We actually, my mom and uh, sister and family moved over to Los Angeles and he worked for NBC and then started his own production company. And so I was like a production assistant for these film shoots that he would do. And honestly, that's the path that I kind of thought I was going to be going down more so than real estate. Right. But then, you know, as uh, fate has it, and I ended up coming back to Arizona for college and spent some more time with Pops. And I, after I realized I wasn't going to get into the production business, I got into off-roading. And I, I still, you know, when I grow up, people say, what do you want to be when you grow up? I still want to race trophy trucks. <laughs> so we're going to one day. <laughs> okay all right all right yeah, it's still good. it's still like in the back of my mind when you decided you were going to go to nau which is we've had a few guests on the show that have gone up to nau you know i think all the best ones actually you're absolutely right i'm sorry mr lumberjack <laughs> um, but the, why not asu your dad was here in the valley um or even at other school down south i don't mention their name but, you know, what drew you to NAU? There's, it's always, it seems like that experience there is a lot different than the other two schools in the state. I basically grew up in Los Angeles, yeah. right? Um, Westchester, we lived in Westchester. I went to school, some school in West LA and then in Manhattan Beach for high school. And so I was in this bubble of LA that I didn't really know it because when you're in it, you can't really see it. But um, I wasn't really, if I got up at five in the morning, I wasn't going to go surfing. If I got up at five in the going to drive to Big Bear and go snowboarding and or drive to the desert to go off-roading and Flagstaff offered both of those so even though I was going for academics and to get a degree and all that jazz well I guess at Flagstaff I don't know that I can say I was going for academics but even though I was going to um, college I I was kind of fueled by what I like to do for fun and so they had a they have a mountain there. I could get a season pass. I could snowboard. I had a um, off road truck that we could drive through the forest. I mean, it just was really more of the I can continue having fun and get my degree at the same time. So we chose that's, NAU. Yeah, that's great. So you you know every forest trail, every forest road up <laughs> up, up around. Honestly, yeah. Oh, and I don't know. Can we talk about off-roading now, or is that going to oh, be later? Because I have some you, of those stories. You've you've shared some stories with me that um, are well. It's we're lucky you're still here. Is kind of the way to put it. You know, I actually recently reconnected with a friend of mine from that I haven't talked to in ten years, and one of the comments that we made to each other was, "Isn't that great that we made it out of our twenties?" 
I'm just trying to make it out of my fifties right now. Cause that's when, that's when, <laughs> that's when the heart attacks come, but yours was self-inflicted a little more, right? In the yeah. Yeah. Well, Oh, I could argue that heart attacks are no. Oh, you're right. Um, yes, yes, yes. So self-inflicted. Uh, we lived up by when, so I never lived on campus. I always had places off campus. I actually worked at Oregano's up there and met a bunch of the, my friends and roommates that all worked there as well. Um, that was a great college job, by the way. And to, before we move, you know, beyond NAU, I think that Flagstaff is a great college town. And to go to a town that size in a, you know, climate that actually has seasons, it was just such a great college experience. I, it, I think three, two or three weeks into it, I looked around and I said, you mean the whole world doesn't live like they do in LA? Wow. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Great. And, you know, to be in my, I didn't go, I didn't get there until I was 21. So I was a quote unquote late bloomer. I had some years at a community college over in LA first before I transferred to NAU. But to see that in my early twenties, you know, I was 21 when I got there. So to kind of recognize that. And then I looked back at all my friends that were in LA that were not, you know, not leaving, I guess, for college and thought, man, if they only knew what it was like outside of La La Land, right? Yeah. That's oh well. Cool. All right. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Let me let me ask you this. Uh, we'll switch out of a flag for a little bit. I I've become involved in a, a very cursory way with Rotary over the last couple of years because of a connection in the business that's uh, a member and heavily involved in like the state leadership. And I've got to tell you that I always thought Rotary was just kind of like the Lions Club or you know the Elks Club or VFW. I had no idea what Rotary was. And uh, I, I was blown away by their simple mission, which is really just to help people, to be of service to people. And then I find out that you're a past president of a Rotary chapter. You're a young guy. Talk to me um, how you became involved <laughs> and, and just, you know, why, you know, why Rotary is so important to you. Yeah. So after I got, after, when I moved to Phoenix, it was, I think, 2006. When I moved to Phoenix, my grandpa lives here. And so Louis, who uh, I've told stories about Louis, and we may have more stories about Louis, but he is, he just turned 93 in August. Uh, he has been in the Valley since 1957. My mom used to like ride a horse around Paradise Valley High School, if you're familiar with like 40th Street and Greenway Thunderbird, Bell Road area. Right. But um, he has been here. He was a charter member of the Paradise Valley Rotary Club in 1974. And he is a diehard Rotarian and actually like he is a stereotypical Rotarian just because he's 93. And <laughs> anyway, I won't, I won't, I won't comment anymore on the, on that. But um, when I moved here, he said, Phil, I'm glad you moved to Phoenix and joined the Rotary Club. I said, what, what's that? He goes, don't worry about it. I'll see you at Coco's on Wednesday for lunch. I said, oh, okay, you know, new to the area. Hey, what the heck? Let's go and and see what this is all about. And would you, so that was. In, would you call that an assumptive close? That was the definite. Where do you think I learned the assumptive close, Bill? <laughs> That's great. That's <laughs> yeah, Louis. There's like no. There he is legit for sure. That's what my friends call him, legit ass Louis. That's great. He is very good at what he does, but um, and a salesman through and through. But you've you've remained a member and uh, you're committed to the their cause and I think that's great. So I just wanted to make sure everyone was aware of that because it's not something people know. 
Yeah, so when you when when I started there, you know, it's funny, Rotary is so involved in so much that even now having gone up the chairs, if you will, or being the president and past president and getting involved with the district and um, scholarship funds that they have and in uh, the technology committees that I've worked on for the district level, which at the time was about half of Arizona, they're merging currently so that all of Arizona is going to be in one one district. But to see just those little instances of how much they do around the world to help out people is pretty impressive. Yeah. I would, I would recommend everybody just look for the Rotary International page on Facebook and check out some of their videos and see what they're doing. And So that's that's it for my Rotary plug. But uh, I, I think – Okay, wait. One more. One more Rotary plug. If you have kids that are looking for scholarships, you should know about Rotary. Yes. Excellent. Okay. Good. Cool. Um, the ambassadorial scholarship that sends people abroad fully paid for a year to live and just be a Rotary ambassador is – Awesome. That was one of the committees that I was on where we had these applicants come through and tell us about what they've done here and what they're going to do abroad. And they get to, you know, put down different places that they want to go. And it, it's impressive. They do a lot. So yeah, that's cool. Thanks for bringing it up, Bill. You're welcome. I, I, like I said, I was super impressed and I'm glad I know more about it. So you uh, started off in the mortgage industry. When you got into real estate, finally, you kind of started off in the mortgage industry, but then you kind of joined forces with, as you call them, pops at John Hall and Associates. And I'm guessing that's really where your marketing career in real estate began, right? Yes, definitely. I, I was, I studied, I, when I was at NAU, I had the, um, the fork in the road for me was mechanical engineering or marketing. And because of the off-roading and the working on cars, I really enjoyed the mechanical engineering game, but um, decided at the time that marketing was going to be a little bit more marketable or I could, maybe find a, a job better with marketing with a business degree. So I went marketing after I graduated, after I left Flagstaff, I actually got um, hired by a company called Greystone financial and they were based out of El Segundo, California. And so I was super excited that I got a base pay with commission to go and sit in the call center and dial phone numbers to try to refinance people's houses. Again, it was like 2005, 2006 ish. Okay. And so that got me involved in the lending side of the game because now you get to talk with people, you get to work them through application to closing on, on these refis. And when I started talking to Pops about it, at the time there was a company that a mortgage company that he was working with or that was working with John Holland Associates and they needed a representative to help encourage agents at John Holland Associates to sign up to use this company, basically be a sales rep for this company. And they offered the position. I came over, interviewed, they offered me the position. So I said, you know, the wife and I, well, the girlfriend at the time and I, we had a, a, the pro con list of should we stay or should we go? And, you know, family, friends, opportunities. And at the time we were looking at renting shoe boxes in Manhattan beach for what we could own a house for here in Phoenix. And so we said, let's do it. Let's move back. So that's when we moved to Phoenix and it was for this lending job. And then how did that lead to you then uh, kind of joining up at, uh, with, at John Hall? So because it was uh, – the position was to be the rep at LNG Mortgage Bank for the agents at John Hall & Associates that worked with them, I got a desk at the corporate office of John Hall. And so that was basically my hub is I would go in and I had this desk that was in an open bullpen and, you know, the property management, like everything, everything was going on around me at the time. But – um as I was working this, 
this job with LNG Mortgage Bank, I couldn't help but notice other things that were going on at John Hall. Marge Lindsay worked there. Marge Lindsay is a dear friend, and she would call me the why child because as things would, as they, I would see things past my desk, I would say, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And so they started to give me a little bit of a paycheck to help ask those questions, to try to help find more efficiencies and integrate technology. And it, the timing worked out perfect because by the time the Great Recession came or FHA became the norm and agents could no longer originate loans as well as be a part of the real estate transaction. Mm -hmm. So that LNG Mortgage Bank, I think they even closed their doors. If not, I don't, I don't know exactly what happened to them, but that whole program went away right as I was getting more involved with technology and marketing at John Holland Associates. So it was this natural switch. And this is 2006, 2007 kind of? Yeah. Right, yeah, I would say 2007 is probably when what, what that would, happened. What were you doing to help agents market in 2007? I was, um, I was actually helping the brokerage more than I was helping agents market. Okay. Okay, so uh, agents would practice age discrimination. <laughs> Where they would walk into the corporate office for some reason, you know, broker question or something like that, and they would hand me their BlackBerry or their whatever, and they would say, hey, how do I fill in the blank? Yep. I'm like, what are you asking me for? <laughs> oh, because you're young. You know, how, you know how to use this stuff. I'm like, ah. at the time, I had no – I was not into technology. Like, like I said, I was into cars, so I worked on cars, not computers. I was anti-Facebook. I was anti-MySpace. I never had a MySpace profile. I was I always thought that those were the the geeks that were doing that and we were out in the desert having fun and being manly. And <laughs> as the questions kept coming to me, as the age discrimination kept happening, I saw this huge opportunity or hole at the company that I could slip into. And so I would turn to my trusty sidekick, Google. <laughs> I would say, how do I fill in the blank on a BlackBerry? And Google would come back with, you know, 10,000 results, and I would look for one, and I would say, oh, here's how you do it. And so then the word started getting out that I could figure out how to use these phones to get email on them, and I could use these phones to whatever it is. Right. I love that story because um, everyone in your position or my position, you know, you get a phone call, you're just on the computer typing it into Google. <laughs> And then telling them, then they think you know everything. So it's great. <clears throat> I'm glad. Yes, I know. And as much as, and so then I would teach classes on here's how you answer these questions yourself. And they'd be like, that's great. How do I fill in the blank on my whatever? Right. Okay, cool. All right. So I'll let, let, let's escape that time because you're doing something better and more fun now. So in, in, what was it 2013 that uh, John Holland Associates was acquired by Realty One Group or am I off? Ooh, 12, 13? Let's see. Oscar was just born and he's now four. So that was probably 12. 2012, yeah, right. And then you. 11. Could... Actually, no, that was 11. Okay. It was acquired in 11 and then I was there for a year working. So I was the, I ended up becoming the director of marketing at John Holland Associates, start, built websites for him, got involved in social media. That's actually how I met you. Okay, that's right. Right? Well, Phoenix I, we, bar camps. I mean, we, we, met we had. Before, yeah, it, the bar camps were back in 09 and. and 2010, I think. Right, but this is all. I'm just sorry. I rewound back to the John Hall and Associates days. Sure. Like me working at John Hall and Associates is when we first met. Right. And that was right. yeah, back in the 08, 09, something like that. Right. Where I started, well, because agents would come and ask questions about how to use Facebook and that, and, and had Twitter and blog and websites, and so as I got more involved in that, there, it was kind of cool because we had this community in Phoenix that was guys like you. 
guys that were cutting edge, guys that were in, you know, on the front lines. And it was fun to get involved with the, with with everybody and learn and learn from them. Mm-hmm. So then, yeah, fast forward to 2011 when um, Realty One Group bought John Holland Associates. I then just they didn't have Realty One Group didn't have a marketing director at the time, so I became the marketing director for Realty One Group, and we rebuilt RealtyOneGroup.com. We um, tried, you know, a lot. There was a lot of a lot of balls in the air that we were juggling, but I was the only corporate employee in Arizona. And so about a year into it, they said, Hey, Phil, uh, how about you move over to the California corporate office that we're building? And that was the opposite direction that the wife and I wanted to go. We actually came here from California, from, you know, LA and they're like, Oh, but this is orange County. But to me, it was the same. And so, you know, long term, our goal is to be more rural, not more urban. So I said, but you know, we played the game and, I went over and talked to them and I thought the cost of living increase was X and they thought it was Y. And I said, well, that was fun. You know, best of luck, best of luck. Gotcha. And so you, I know that you, uh, you kind of kicked it around a little bit trying to figure out what you wanted to do, but you ended up, you know, really, I love, I love people who do this in our industry where they really, they put their money where their mouth is. And you could have gone on and done a lot of different things in the world of marketing and trying to, you know, kind of stay in the same field. But you said, no, I'm going to go help build a real estate team and I'm going to sell real estate. I'm going to be a part of this. And that's when you hooked up with Jeff Seabach. So let's talk about that decision about to say, Hey, I'm going to go do this. I was always the guy that talked, that taught classes about marketing and marketing tactics and strategies on how to get business and close business, having never done it. And so I felt like this was a huge hole in my experience and what better way to fill the hole than to put my money where my mouth is. And so I started consulting and I'd been consulting with agents, you know, even when I was with John Holland Associates, I would do consulting on the side and um, I would help out. I would work on websites for nothing for agents that were with John Holland Associates. And that's how actually how I met Jeff Seabach. And so when I started, when I decided that, you know, I wanted to get more involved in the marketing and started doing consulting for different agents, he came, we, we had a conversation and he hired me for 20 hours a week. And then three days later, it was 40 hours a week. And then three months later, it was a partnership. Let's talk about, uh, we've had Jeff on the podcast. It was probably, I don't know, 37 or episode 38, I think. But, uh, and he's, let's talk about what the makeup of the team is now. Um, kind of just lay out what you've got kind of working there. Yeah. Okay. So the team now, again, I'm, I'm, amid a a paternity leave. So I'm a little rusty on the numbers. I think our agent count, we've got 18 buyer agents on the team. We've got about uh, maybe 10 or 12 staff, mainly or part-time staff, including the open house sign guy, things like that. Mm -hmm. And so Jeff and I have, uh, we work at Realty One Group out of the North Scottsdale location. We run the team that is a coaching business slash um, lead generation, transaction management. We do all that fun jazz for the agents that are here. And um, like when we, the first year we worked together, we, the team did $25 million in closed sales. And last year we did, and that was in 2012, I believe. And then last year we did about $95 million worth of closed residential resale. And, um, this year, hopefully that number is 125. Let's talk a little bit about um, strategies and tactics. I think, you know, you, you're very open about what you do and, and what the CBOC team does, but 
I know I know personally because I've had many conversations with both of you that you employ some aggressive, you know, organic SEO kind of work, which is really hard to do and not a lot of people can do it well. But you also focus super hard on experience of the customer and referral business. Um, so talk about how how you and Jeff have, have kind of come to this form of lead generation as being kind of the primary source. First of all, we're student of the we're students of the game. We don't know all the answers, nor do we pretend to know the answers, but we have seen people that were really successful doing search engine optimization in order to generate inquiries uh, through their website. And so we kind of, that was our initial year of working together was rolling out, was building seabach.com to be a local ex market expertise, local area information style website where I think that we ended up building something like 3,000 pages on the site just so that we could create a dominant site in the half of city, meaning North Scottsdale, that we work in. Right. Um, as that started to pay off and as we you know, got more closed business, more leads, more our database started to build, and we would go talk to agents that were doing more business with us, than us, and they would be focused on open houses. And they build businesses based on open houses, and they're doing more business than we are. So then we let's insert the open house puzzle because the website kind of once you get it up and running, you know, it, it, it's harder to get it up and running than it is to maintain it. Now we're actually right up against right now. We're talking about the next redesign of Seabuck.com, so you know you kind of get your focus back into that. But while after we got that running, then we started focusing on open houses and how we were going to do those better to generate closed business. Once we got that, we talk to other agents that do more and they are all date all about database and so we started focusing on our database more and so those are to me our three pillars of of leads internet open houses and database we're inbound so so we're inbound marketers is the other way that I put it uh, we're not cold callers so we have we haven't even we haven't even dabbled in it although it was interesting bill you and I I mean we were at Inman what was that 3 weeks ago and four weeks ago, maybe. And the teams there that are on stage that are doing a ton of business, it seems like all of them are cold callers or outbound marketers instead of inbound marketers. And so just because we're students of the game, it's something that we're, we're looking at. But um, we to, to get to this point, it's all been inbound marketing. Don't you think fundamentally, once you get over the hurdle of hiring the right kind of people, that fundamentally it's easier to do outbound marketing. Uh, it's putting scripts in front of people. Um, they're easy to obtain. And, and then it's a sure numbers game. You just, they dial for eight hours a day and you're going to generate a certain number of leads. Um, I think what you've done with the inbound stuff is infinitely tougher to do well than simply set up a call center. Am I, you think I'm speaking out of school there or is that right? I don't, I don't know that I would call, I mean, you got to have, skill you got to have skill sets to do either one of them and you know I always said one of the things that they don't teach you in school is the human factor and so the outbound I mean I don't know maybe you can have the outbound just seems like it's much more management of people driven than it is just doing the work so I, I, I don't know I'm still kind of on the fence of which one is easier which one is harder because I haven't because we've only I, I really only know the one that we've done and working on the website is, you know, when I was 
banging it out. It was just me and the website, right? Like, let's get this done. Let's, let's do it, do it, do it, do it. And now, of course, we've grown into where we have management. We've got, you know, people reporting to people. And so, you know, you get to a size where you can't avoid managing people. You have to, but you say, your comment was, you get to the point, what did you say? You said where you get the who's the people figured out or something like that? Yeah, like the, it's, it's the, once you, I think for the, uh, and I'm not knocking the outbound marketers. I think they're, it's, uh, there are a lot of people making a lot of money and doing a lot of great things. But it's just hiring the right person who has the right mentality. Because, you know, honestly, they have to be able to be a, have that telemarketer mentality to get on a phone all day long and set appointments and attempt to set appointments. Um, and, then, and then, of course, you still have to have the people skills once you go out and talk to somebody to get that listing or to have that buyer work with you. But it's just a different model, right? Completely different model of, of having a, a call center, you know, try to work for the leads versus what you've done and create something that works 24-7. It's always working and it's always possibly generating leads into you. True. Yeah, we, um, we just have a – we're always trying to improve. So yeah. it, I, it's hard for me to sit here and say, oh, you know, I appreciate the, the comments and the compliments, but – you know, being in it every day is you just see the, where the weaknesses are and that's what we're always trying to, to improve. Let's figure out how we can get better or more efficient or a better return on the dollar spent because inbound marketing, to me, I think inbound marketing may be more expensive than outbound marketing because you have to have, um, there's a trial and, and, but again, I'm only speaking from my side. I don't know the other side. Right. But I know the trial and error that we have, that we do, that we go through. And so we're always tweaking it, always trying to find where the um, most return is, meaning the most responses or the most um, referrals or the obviously the most closed business. Right. At the Seabock team, your time there, did, did, uh, did you ever buy leads? Were you ever at Realtor.com or Zillow or were you ever buying them? Uh, we had a premier profile on Zillow. So I don't know if you consider that buying leads. It's where you pay, you know, whatever it was to enhance your own listings. But then January this year, so last December, Jeff and I went to California. We went on a road trip to meet with the top agents at Realty One Group in California. Again, just this comment of being, you know, constantly trying to be students of the game and see what it is that other teams are doing. And we heard a lot of people talking about systems. Like everybody else buys a system, whereas we built this website and we've kind of built these systems. We used Infusionsoft, which is a very much build it the way you want it type of program. It, it's not designed for real estate out of the gate. So as we see all these other agents that are like just implementing these systems and we're sitting back here and we're building it our own, we thought, well, I, I don't know when the tide is going to change. Like we, maybe the Zillow leads are better than the leads that we have now. So when we do buy leads from these major, com these major companies, it is a test. Let's see if we're still able to do it for a greater return or not. Right. Because like, I can't take, I can't take somebody's word for it. Right. It's like the ultimate ABs test. You know what you're spending per lead right now. And, It'd be really easy to figure out how you're converting on a, on a, a provider's leads and uh, which one's more cost effective, right? Yes. So we went for a, an agreement with Zillow um, months back, and actually, the I was talking to the guy this morning about what we're going to do with it. So it's still undecided at this point, but that's 
why I'm actually one of the reasons why I'm in the office back from paternity leave is so that I can start crunching the ROI on and what's in the pipeline from the leads that we've gotten from that okay that con that agreement so to be determined is it going to continue to be determined all right fun well that'll be uh episode 135 so <laughs> <laughs> perfect so is, is there anything um anything on the horizon you know that's either technical or from the marketing point of view that that kind of has you excited and, and we'll tie that in with this question you know you were at in, in and connect in san francisco so, um, you know, did you see something there that, you know, was a big takeaway for you that's like, okay, this is where, the, where we're headed. Um, let's, let's pay attention to that. Obviously, augmented reality is something that is not going away. It's going to become more and more integrated into everything that we do when it comes to using the Internet and probably using our phones. Um, augmented reality. I think that the Pokemon game is like virtual. Is it augmented reality? Are you on Pokemon? Bill, what level are you on? Uh, I've I've caught one pocket monster named Squirtle the Turtle, and, and then I put I retired. <laughs> no, I'm talking about the game Pokemon. That's I am. Same thing, dude. That's Pokemon. Go. Oh, I thought you were talking about something different. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I caught in my house. In my yes. House. And then I retired. Yes. So I have one uh, one capture, but that is augmented reality. That's what you're talking about. Uh <laughs> augmented reality where it put it takes the the true reality of streets and buildings and then it just adds a layer or multiple layers on top of it to right. augment to augment it yeah. so we're we're already seeing that i mean i see how my wife uses the website house.com mm. i don't know have you ever looked at that site i have yeah. h-o-u-z-z -Z or something like that right <clears throat> But, you know, when you scroll through pictures to look at what you want a bathroom to look like, there's like little price tags that wiggle at you and you click on it and it comes up with this is where you can buy this lamp or this counter or this. Right. And I just see that being more automated and being more in our faces with everything we do in real estate. Right. So you'll, that's something you got to pay attention to in a website redesign or when when that stuff becomes available to you as a developer. You've got to be like, hey, I, I, we can't miss out on this stuff. We want to be right there when it happens, right? Absolutely. That's um, and we gotta. We like to go big. So if and when we do get, but it, it's got to be the right time because I think some of the layers and some of the tools that we've seen over the last five years that 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 kind of layer and data and mashup haven't been all that great, and so we're still waiting for better, I don't know, development, if you will. For about five years, I've been saying that uh, robot voices or robot accents are going to be the fonts of the future. And so, you know, you, you wonder what opportunities that you can take advantage of for, you know, obviously risk and return for right. augmented reality tools or for, um, things like that, voice recognition and computers talking to us. But the other thing from Inman, which big data isn't new, it's just becoming more available is kind of how I look at it. And you're seeing more mashups of data, like demographics data with housing data, with community data, that purchasing data. There's There seems to be more companies that are offering this type of information for people to integrate with their products. So I think that was it um, SmartZip was one of the first of the predictive 
movers yep. the predict you know where they could predict who was going to move based on data right. i see that becoming much bigger and much more prevalent i think i saw six or seven companies alone up there that were talking about that same thing already so yes yes and you know to integrate with the social networks if you will or the facebooks and even how they're now using allowing marketers to use their data so that we can target people that are homeowners i mean you see it in their ad platform where now you can it's not just what people do on social media, but it's the demographic data tied into that as well so that you can really get more finite with your marketing and you can be more relevant to people. Right. And that's, I mean, one of the conversations that I have in a marketing class that I do, I, there's usually a guy in the front shirt, let's say that he has a yellow shirt on, right? And he's got a, and let's say he's got a white mustache and a yellow shirt. And I say, when you're marketing, if you say, this is for all realtors in an ad, or if you say, this is for all realtors that have a white mustache with a yellow shirt, is that guy in the front row, which ad is that guy in the front row going to be more likely to respond to? Right. The I, one that's more specific to him. Right. That's like I, I tell people all the time when I'm talking about this uh, out in the world, I say if, look, if, if a marketer wants to hit 55-year-old dudes who live in Power Ranch that like Barbara Streisand, they can do that, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you're pretty public with that, so that's an easy find. Let's do a let's do a non-easy find. Right? <laughs> we'll save that for another show. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I've had you here over <clears throat> half an hour, and I know you got to get home to Laura and to Oscar and David. So let me ask you my final question. I ask every guest: What is your best piece of advice for an agent just getting started in the business? Don't ignore the internet. I there's four words. The, the State Farm commercial with the French model dude where he goes bonjour. Have you seen that one? I have. Okay. Four words are true in the world of real estate agents and how people pick real estate agents. People believe the internet. Pay attention to the free profiles that you're given. Build a website that's about the area, the local area that you actually know about that you want to work in. Pay attention. Like so many times I see people that come in and they're like, oh, I've been a realtor for a year and I will Google them and nothing, you know, they've never logged into their Zillow profile or their Yelp profile or their whatever. It's just pay attention to that because especially when you're new and you're going to try to get people that you know to work with you, they're going to research you. Don't ignore that. Make it look good. Make it look great. And then be great when you get there. Phil, that's awesome. Um, this is the 57th, 58th episode, and that you're the first person to give that response. So that's great. I love it. <clears throat> Let me, uh, I know you're a very approachable guy. If someone wants to reach out and get in touch with you, what's the best way to kind of connect with you? Uh, it's just so cliche to say, friend me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter. So I'm trying to be, I'm trying to think of something better. Come to my house and knock on my door. I live at one, two. <laughs> <laughs> How about call me? There you go. So the phone number that you give out to the public? Yeah, sure. My how about let's do my cell phone. 602-615-4997. I work on the Seabock team at Realty One Group in the North Scottsdale office. We're Google. How about Google me? That's how people can get a hold of me. Great. It's very easy. Yeah. I don't hide. <laughs> Phil, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. I can't tell you how uh, valuable this information is for a lot of our listeners and and once again say hi to Laura for me and uh, and and 
best of luck as you that family continues to grow and like i'm saying continues to grow thanks bill i appreciate it you've been listening to the real estate sessions with bill rissa of chicago title arizona please subscribe to our podcast on itunes and tell your friends about the real estate sessions as new episodes are published weekly